doesn't usually happen. Uh, yeah, it's a special. It's a special. It's a special. This is the intro now. <coughs> it's special. This is a very special episode. Spots on for a very special episode of Miraculous. Yes, the uh, special that is almost but not quite movie length. <laughs> yeah. Special was kind of awesome, though. <laughs> I wasn't ex- expecting it to be as good as it was, which I don't, I don't really know what I was expecting to be, but it wasn't this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. I was surprised when you texted me and, and said you were watching it because you haven't seen season three, have you? No. <laughs> so it was a one big not... giant spoiler for you. Basically, I didn't know what was going on uh, with the cheese and stuff. I, they were like eating it and flying, and I was like, okay, I'll. I guess I'll understand that later. <laughs> but I just rolled with the punches because I can accept that there are things that I don't know that are going on. <laughs> Start this special starts. Uh, very well. It starts off on a very high note with our favorite, favorite boy, Mr. Pigeon. Yes! being He's he's attacking Paris for the 50-something time, I think, Alia clarifies, because she's keeping a tab on him. Yes, I did some, <laughs> I did some math here. Um, Alia says that this is the 51st time that Ladybug and Cat Noir have had to fight Mr. Pigeon. The last time we heard from him, he had been fought 24 times, and that was around mid-season 3. And this special takes place between season three and the upcoming season four. So between about mid-season three and this special, he has been akumatized. Hold on. 23 more times. So he's being akumatized at a faster and faster rate as time goes <laughs> on. Exponential, even. Yeah. <laughs> Hawkmoth. I can't. Hawkmoth is in love with Mr. Pigeon. Yes. We just need to get this out of the way. He is in love with Mr. Pigeon. There's no reason that this man would be akumatized so often. <laughs> Forget Natalie. Forget his comatose wife. The real, the the real end game for Hawkmoth is him and Mr. Pigeon. Obviously, because why else is he Obviously. akumatizing him every time he has any emotion? <laughs> Not even anger. <laughs> Not even anger or sadness or regret. It's just like, he'll he'll feel any emotion. He'll see a pigeon and be happy. And Hawkmoth is like, well, I, I better try to akumatize him. <laughs> uh, also, in case you're confused at all about what was happening in the beginning... Uh, so there's a, a restaurant inside the Eiffel Tower called uh, Le Jules Verne, after the author Jules Verne. Uh, he wrote books mm-hmm. like, uh, you've definitely heard of them. They're like, Journey yeah. Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, and Around the World in 80 Days. 20,000 Leagues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Under the Sea. Is that what it's called? 20, 20 Leagues or 20,000? I don't know. <laughs> no, I haven't read it. I don't know how many leagues. Um. Um, he also wrote From the Earth to the Moon, and I, I guess that... Mr. Pigeon saw a copy of From Earth to the Moon inside the Jules Verne restaurant and decided, I know, <laughs> I know what I'm going to do today, which is, again, doesn't help him get Ladybug and Cat Noir's Miraculouses. I really don't know what Hawkmoth is doing here. <laughs> he just wants Mr. Pigeon to enjoy good literature, yeah. I think. He wants him to improve his uh, his hobbies. He wants him to uh, be happier and healthier. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think that Hawk Moth's just doing the man a favor. Yeah. Uh, the first couple of lines that were spoken in this special, I was for sh- I was so sure were different voice actors. Her voice is deeper. 
Yeah. I, I wasn't imagining that, right? Like, like her voice is deeper. Yeah. <laughs> it, it went away, I think, about halfway through the special, or maybe I just got used to it. It didn't seem weird anymore. But Marionette and Alia, I thought, oh, oh wow, different English dub actors for the, the special. I cannot find anything about that online. I do not know. I did see a couple of comments on Tumblr, because uh, Miraculous Ladybug is trending on Tumblr right now. Uh, I did see a couple of comments that were like, why did... Why did the voice actors make their voices deeper? <laughs> I yeah. was like, oh, so I wasn't, I wasn't going crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, this literally was happening, and I was interpreting the sounds in my ears correctly. Yeah, I did think that maybe there was a possibility of like, oh, well, maybe these lines were recorded early on, and the actors are getting back in the rhythm of it. I also thought that maybe it was just a couple of lines that they had to pick up with a different actress doing her best impression. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I and it keeps know. happening <laughs> occasionally. Also, speaking of the intro, what's with the like theme intro of this <laughs> of this special? It's like extremely dramatic. Also, there's like this implication because there's we we find out uh, that there is a another set of miraculous uh, in the United States, um, but it's represented. Uh, the Paris Miraculous and the American Miraculous are both represented by, like, a, a spot of light on the world map. Uh-huh. And I counted, I found, because, uh, again, I was going through the Miraculous Ladybug uh, tag on Tumblr. I found somebody ripped the, specifically just the intro, and I was watching it, and I paused it. There are ten other points on the map that we see, which is literally just around uh, Eastern, or no, sorry, Western Europe and... Uh, Eastern United States. So there are ten more <laughs> miraculous sets that we have not seen, which is wild. <laughs> it is. Well, here, here's the thing. You haven't seen season three. And in season three, we actually do get into the lore of the miraculous boxes and how the, there are miraculous boxes all over the world and how there are these secret orders that are dedicated to protecting them. Um... <laughs> We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get. Well, yeah. There... <laughs> Let's just focus on the special. I don't need to know all the details. Yeah, you. Do... I'm tempted to not explain anything to you and just let you suffer. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll just be confused. I'm fine with it. Uh-huh. So after they defeat Mr. Pigeon, I I'm go- I'm going through this. I know too slowly, but Adrian stands alone in the Eiffel Tower for a bit and just talks out loud about how hot he thinks he is. That is true. Um, very strange. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Very strange. Um, I do enjoy the the egotistical side of Adrian, though, because it's not something that we see at all when he's not in superhero form, and it makes me kind of view Adrian the person as opposed to Cat Noir differently, yeah. <laughs> because I'm like, oh, you're full of yourself. <laughs> It's like, wow. You're a very nice person. Like, you choose to be a nice person, but you are full of yourself. Uh, It's like being raised, like, in this, like, really upper crust, wealthy environment where you've been, like, a model since you were a little kid. Like, there's posters of you everywhere and, like, girls are fawning over you. Like, you act like it doesn't get to you, but it does. (laughs) It has affected you. (laughs) The main point of this movie is that they go to Paris. Um, No, they don't. I mean, they go to... Oh, my God. I'm tired. <laughs> they don't go to Paris. They leave Paris. <laughs> they go to New York. <laughs> um, They're going to... They, they leave... They leave Paris. And they go to New York. Um, but the first half of this movie has very little to do with the plot and everything to do with Marinette and Adrian's relationship. Yes. Uh... And... 
It's very strange because she seems like she's making progress on not being a creep anymore. Um, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Um, there were points where Alia sort of encourages her creepy behavior. Uh, I thought that she was doing pretty well. She was, like, respecting Adrian's boundaries and stuff. And then it just, like, blew up in her face, sort of. <laughs> but yeah, the first half of this is basically romance. And the second half is interesting plot and action. Uh, yeah, yeah. In the first half, like, the class has made this movie about puppet Lafayette and puppet George Washington. Um, and they're going, to, the movie was so good that now they're going to go to New York to celebrate French-American friendship. Yeah, I want to read you some notes that I wrote. Um, I Okay. <laughs> Please, I'm, I'm begging you. <laughs> in, in the scene in the classroom, I, I think they were in the library, but uh, I, I paused the special after Chloe said she was not going, and I wrote in my notes in capital letters, Chloe isn't going, thank God. And then I unpaused it, paused it again, and wrote, never mind, right under that. She doesn't really play a role in this. It it doesn't make a ma- it doesn't matter whether or not she's like going to New York because she literally does nothing except for make Sabrina sad for like two scenes and then Sabrina just ditches her anyway. <laughs> and then and then at the end of the movie they're like, "Oh yeah, Chloe's still here." <laughs> and it is also especially strange and I can't I know we can't really talk about this cuz you haven't seen it, but it appears that Chloe isn't experiencing any repercussions from what she did at the end of season three. Uh, are you aware of? I don't. I don't remember what happened at the end. Of the, I know that she got akumatized while she was using a miraculous, and I know that her sort of character redemption arc was cut short and reversed, basically. Um, but I don't know the details. But. Yeah, she she I know I know for a fact that she should be facing some sort of consequence. I just don't know what for. Um but everybody seems pretty cool with her. Uh <laughs> Yeah, she can't stop saying things out loud like it's going to be such a vacation not being around you people. And as per usual, like Danicles at least tries a little bit like Chloe, no, you are coming with us. And instead of like, "Hey Chloe, I'm the principal. Please do not bully the other students in front of me." Yeah. Nobody cares. No they just let her. They enable her. Um, also in this scene, they're, they're all like a little bit mean to their teacher, Mrs. Mendeleeve, who we, yeah. we've we talked about how we don't like her because uh, she is a little bit mean to them. But they set up early on. That plot thread goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. <laughs> they set up very early on like, oh, she's having so- she's looking at herself internally. She feels bad about the way the kids see her. And she tries to do a little bit better early on. And then that goes away and it's not important at all. Yeah, that felt like they were trying to set her up as the person who was going to be akumatized and then dropped it, but then kept that point in, yeah. like, after they had edited the story to be something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, there's a moment here where, uh, like, Adrian maybe can't go to New York with them, but Marion has decided she's going to convince uh, Adrian's dad to let him go. I like this. I like what happened here. Because Ladybug, who is Marionette, knows she's going on this trip. So she talks to Cat Noir and says, oh, Cat Noir, I'm going on a trip. I need you to protect Paris for me. And he's like, cool, I can do that. Then Marionette convinces Adrian's dad to let him go on the trip, but not knowing that that is Cat Noir. And Adrian learns he can go, but he's like, wait, I can't go. Ladybug asked me to stay here because she's going on a trip. And that's actually great. That's great dramatic irony. It's great fun yeah. conflict uh, that happens because these characters don't know who they are that isn't based at all on romance. It has nothing to do with their attraction to each other. It's just about 
like the logistics of interacting with a person whose secret identity you don't know. That, that's great. Yeah, I really, really enjoyed the, the setup for this, like how he gets there. And also what becomes like, you know, a, a pretty important plot line in this movie is uh, the idea that Adrian feels like he has betrayed Ladybug's trust and he hates himself for it, basically. Um, and the, the, him betraying her trust does have pretty serious consequences, as we will see. <laughs> but uh, it's... It's something that I was not expecting because I was fully expecting uh, it to be based somewhat around... And it kind of is for Marinette, at least. Um, But for Adrian specifically, it has absolutely nothing to do with uh, him trying to woo Ladybug or whatever. It's literally just like, no, like I have to be in charge. Somebody has to protect Paris and I should be here. And Plague talks, talks him out of it. Oh, yeah, Plague <laughs> like messes the up. the horrible person he is. <laughs> Plague does not suffer any consequences. And he later it talks like, oh, no, I should I have stopped him from going. No, you know what you could you could have done, Plague? You could have just not talked him out of Adrian, like, was going to call Ladybug and explain what was happening. And Plague convinced him not to. And I will say, exactly. I, I don't know if you would know this, but... Uh, Marionette now has access to the whole miracle box. She can give other yeah. people miraculouses. If Cat Noir had been like, hey, change of plans, I can't be in Paris this weekend. Exactly. Somebody else could have protected Paris. Yeah, I, we, we can have someone else do it. It's just... It's all Plague's fault. It is all Plague's <laughs> fault. And, like, as um, we're talking about this, I don't... I'm not saying this because it wasn't a realistic conflict. It absolutely was. It made sense. Everything Adrian did made total sense. He thought he'd worked it out so it would be fine. He had the ability to get back to Paris in a hurry if he wanted exactly. to. The thing that went wrong was he didn't expect to have to fight a supervillain in New York at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, he was not expecting to have to work on his vacation uh, because in America, as we learn, uh, once they get there, it's like, Superheroes are everywhere. Uh, it's not just we look at it's. You don't need uh, specifically a miraculous to be a superhero. There are other, I guess, forms of being a superhero. Like the 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 people that we see have bracelets or something. I don't know if they're all part of the same. I don't know, miraculous universe's equivalent of Justice League or something. Like with the the flight rings, or I guess that's Legion of Superheroes. They have the flight rings yeah. where they just tap a bracelet and then transform, which is pretty cool. Um, but none of them have. Miraculouses. I have absolutely no clue how everyone in America has superpowers. They and just don't explain they, it. They all have superpowers, and they all have superpowers <laughs> that are so much easier to use than Marionette and Cat Noir superpowers yeah. with a billion rules. Before they get to New York, uh, when they're trying to like get out of Paris and to New York, there's all this this relationship stuff that made me genuinely uncomfortable. Like, Marionette is, like, actually trying to just be Adrian's friend. But, like, Marionette's solution to the problem of how she's been acting around Adrian is not just to, like, be upfront with him and, like, ask him on a date and then if he says no, accept that and move on from there. Her solution is to pretend (laughs) that she doesn't feel the way she does anymore and just, like, try to get over it. Like, uh, but the the thing is, part of her doing this and... I you probably know like figured this out from the context like she has a boyfriend now she has a boyfriend who is not Adrian but she is still throughout this entire 
special, like, so emotionally uninvested in her actual boyfriend and so preoccupied with Adrian. And Adrian, the the same way. I literally, I didn't realize, what's his name? Is his name Luca? Luca. Uh, yeah, he, I did not realize that Luca was her boyfriend because she was so invested in Adrian this entire time. Like, because I, I haven't seen season three. So I didn't realize that she was dating Luca because she was so just absolutely infatuated with adrian the entire movie Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) yeah it's awful and it's awful for Uh. kagami too kagami has a scene in the special where she's weirdly mean to adrian which isn't what she was like at the end of season three kagami was cool at the end of season three and her and adrian are dating but again adrian like seems so not into her and it's so bad for luca and kagami and it's so hard for me to be invested in the relationship between marionette and adrian and like i know that hey when you're 14 like you're not it's not like when you're older like you're not cheating on your boyfriend at 14 it's like oh my gosh you guys went to cinnabon together cinnabon is our thing i'm not going to the spring (laughs) fling with you now rachel exactly right uh it's not like that but like it's still creepy the fact that these two are in it's the scenes i'm i mean i'm thinking about the dance scene in particular it's very strange um, I'm willing to write off, at least for Adrian, this, like, they watch a sunset together on the plane, uh, which is not creepy on Adrian's end, but is absolutely creepy on Marinette's end. And it's like, I, I do want to, I want to say, because I'm worried that I sound unsympathetic here. I'm not saying that it's easy for a 14-year-old girl to tell someone that, oh, that yeah, she has a crush not. on them. Of course it's not easy. When you're 14, that's a nightmare. Uh, but I, I know I was 14 and just like tried to pretend I didn't have crushes on people because that was easier but you know what I also what I did do when I was 14 I didn't like carry on a fake relationship with someone I wasn't really into (laughs) while like following a guy to New York yeah uh my inability to tell the people that I liked that I like them uh until much later on um did it did not lead me to have this sort of weird one-sided I almost want to say parasocial relationship which isn't like the I don't think the correct use of that word but you know like when uh people feel as though they they know the streamers the YouTube stars that they uh are interacting with where it's like a completely different relationship on both ends that's what it feels like where she has like this image of Adrian in her mind that does not match up quite with the one in real life yeah, and it's it's very strange it is and you know it it, it's strange because season three, I think, actually did an okay job of fundamentally changing the relationship between Marionette and Adrian so that they were starting to actually legitimately become friends. And they were starting to actually have a relationship with each other outside of this son dance of secret identities that they're doing. But the special mm-hmm. seems to kind of... Ignore that. Yeah, it's because (laughs) Marinette talks a lot about wanting to just be friends with Adrian. There's no acknowledgement of the relationship that they already have, though. There's just a lot of her, like, accidentally calling him baby on an airplane. (laughs) I have always disliked when media puts a extremely close lens on the love, like, quote-unquote love lives of, of, uh, like young characters it's very strange to me that's like that's part of the reason why spongebob was my favorite cartoon growing up is because there was literally no romance it was just jokes and i 
watch Spongebob basically every day until like middle school. I would literally like it was it, because there was no romance. And now as an adult looking back, I was like, oh yeah, that was because I literally, I was like a late bloomer in terms of like romance, I guess. I didn't have my first crush until high school. And I was just like not at all invested in it. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, probably was attached to Spongebob because it wasn't shoving the fact that I thought I was weird because I didn't like anyone in my face 24-7. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was just, like, this this weird sort of, I don't know, like, every single show has it. And it's not to say that, like, romance is bad in TV. It does, definitely does make good drama. It's just, like, why is this show that is marketed and sold as an action show that is, you know, like, supposed to be a like Saturday morning cartoon, why is there so much romance involved? Like, I, like, cool, sure, have them have, like, a love triangle, love square, whatever, why is it the focus of the show? There's all this mm-hmm. magic stuff happening. They have these cool power-ups and stuff. But, like, every single episode, the romance has to come up. Like, bro, give me a breather. I need to <laughs> I need to just look at magic for a little yeah. while. <laughs> I, I think what we're both getting at here is that this special was very good, except for every moment that had anything to do with the romance. Yeah. Um, which oh. is a lot of it. But- yeah. The second half is a lot better, I think. Um, I wanna, I wanna rapid fire right now because we need to get to New York. Get yeah, just rapid this... fire plot points. No, I wanna rapid fire <laughs> the things that the hilarious things in the front part of this of this special. <laughs> um, uh, Marionette gives Cat Noir a little kitty clicker that will uh, alert her when he, she is needed. It's adorable. I love it. Give me the merch. Me too. Uh, Adrian's dad, who is Hawk Moth, surprise, and who is only letting him go on this trip because he wants to do crimes in New York. Also, surprise. Um, he, he says that he springs the fact on Adrian that he's going on this trip and says that Natalie has already packed Adrian's bags. That's bizarre. Natalie is in bed with a heart monitor. <laughs> Natalie is bedridden. What, her use of one of the broken miraculouses has left her bedridden. She is sick and dying, but she packed the bags. Also, why wouldn't he pack his own bags? Why is someone else packing his underwear? No. Um, <laughs> Plague talks about how excited he is for American cheese. He's going to be disappointed. Uh, Plague also, in the scene where he's talking Adrian out of being responsible and letting Marionette know that he's leaving, uh, he says, well, Adrian says something, but well, what about uh, supervillains? What about Kumas? And uh, Plague says, do you see any supervillains in this house? Get that's it? That's funny. Yeah. Hey, hey, guys, that's pretty funny. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's dramatic irony. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Forget Luca. Luca, Marionette's boyfriend, like, <laughs> rides a bike so fast that he catches up with a public bus just because he loves Marionette so much. And Marionette, like, Luca is animated with a constant sparkle in his eye. He's so in love. And Marionette just does not care. <laughs> Marinette spends that conversation trying to convince him that she does not like Adrian, which is very strange in retrospect now that I know that they're dating. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Luca, uh, in season three, is completely aware of Marinette's crush and is so okay with it to the point of, like, it makes you wonder if he also has a crush on Adrian. He's so okay with it. Would Uh, not put it past him. (laughs) Yeah, Luca, I'll save this for when we get to an actual episode where Luca's introduced. I, my feelings for Luke are very similar to my feelings on Adrian, which are like a boy made of bubble gum, a boy who is too good yes. for television. Hold on. I'm looking up. I'm looking up to see if they put if they cuffed his jeans. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Luca. Yeah. 
into Google Images. <laughs> Check the cuff gene. Okay, oh, it brought up a basketball player. You know what? If you go on the Instagram accounts, I'm pretty sure someone just, one of the most recent posts was a post of Lucas. Oh, shoes. you're right! Of his shoes! <laughs> We're gonna do this. Oh my this. gosh. We are, we are social media Oh my gosh, I have to find this post. Who was it? Uh, I don't know which uh, one it was. Let's see. Probably Alia. Miraculous. I found it. Are is the, it Alia? It is. Okay, this is, okay. You're, Ava, you're not going to believe this. From what the, what from the picture I'm looking at, it looks like one of his pant legs is cuffed and the other is not. <laughs> I'm afraid we've discovered that Luca is bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Luca is bi, and I think probably into Adrian. Um, if Kagami, if only if only Air, Marionette, Kagami, and Adrian and Luca could all just be happy together. There was a an episode at the end of season three that I legitimately for a minute thought that they were actually actually setting up a possible polycule, and I was so excited. It ended up not happening, but I'll point the moment out to you when we get there. It's very Was on the that nose. the one where Marinette let her hair down and everyone was freaking out? Yeah, Marinette lets her hair down and Adrian's like, you're beautiful. And Adrian's girlfriend also says, yeah, you are. And then they're all just left standing there on this roof, the ro- a rooftop in Paris, all three of them. Like, oh, hey, we all think we're, we all think we're all really beautiful. <laughs> everyone here is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, new, uh, Alia calls New York the most romantic in- city in the world next to Paris, which is a lie. <laughs> New York. That is absolutely a lie. Yeah. If you were going to list, like, <laughs> romantic cities, I can't believe that you wouldn't first have to get through cities and countries that actually speak romance languages before you got to the, the concrete den of loneliness that is New York City. <laughs> Everyone in New York City has either 32 roommates or a Tony, and there is no in-between. It's a lonely city. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I am a little uh, interested in, like, you know, having us as, I, I, I guess, like, experts in being Americans um, <laughs> talk about, like, what it's like to see our country portrayed as a novelty when we're so used to Am- American yeah, media. Yeah, I was looking on um, the Miraculous Ladybug subreddit, which I do not go on Reddit often, and um, one of the first posts that I saw was uh it was like drinking game take a shot drinking game please be safe and the first two were take a shot every time that the writers pretend to understand american culture and the second one was take a shot every time the writers pretend to understand french culture (laughs) 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 which was extremely funny Mm -hmm. (laughs) but yeah this um i enjoyed how absolutely barren new york city was uh, there were some shots where there were a lot of cars but especially at night there was absolutely no one on the streets not even walking around no taxis um the streets were just open which makes yeah. me think that they don't understand how overpopulated new york city yeah. is <laughs> it's, it's, it's apparently the city that always sleeps even during the day yes this is- <laughs> Everyone is at home in bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, so while they're on the plane to New York City, um, Nino and Alia have a conversation where they basically decide, oh, we're, we're going to Brady Bunch it. We're going to pull some nonsense here. We're going to try to set up our two friends, despite the fact that they are both already in relationships. But, like, yeah. Nino and Alia... I think, well, Nino's wasn't so much... I think it was Alia's justification was she wanted to... I, she wanted Marinette to be honest about her feelings and stop, like, pretending that she was 
trying just to be friends with Adrian. Like, she could do that. Um, and, like, either that means, like, just be honest to herself about it and stop trying so hard or just straight up confess to him. And Nino's was like, I want Adrian to be able to come out of his shell more because Adrian feels like an outsider, like, compared to his peers, which mm-hmm. is fair because he lived in isolation. Um, but the way that that manifests is that they do try and get them together, yeah. <laughs> which is not good. It's so, uh, it's so uncomfortable <laughs> that nobody mentions, uh, after, after they leave Paris, it's like Kagami and Luca don't exist, even though all, exactly. everybody else knows them and they're friends with them and no, just, everybody just ignores them. Even like Luca's sister is there on the trip with them and she at no point is like, hey, Marionette, <laughs> hey, Marionette, what are you doing? Yeah, it's, uh... Not great. Also, did you catch the joke in uh, when Nino and Alia are talking about what they want their for their friends? No, I also should mention I did not write down notes, so I don't like remember what. That's okay. <laughs> what I was thinking while I was watching it. <laughs> so Nino says that he wants Adrian to come out of his shell, and Alia wants Marionette to be more honest and clear. So when you were on your first watch through, do you, do you know like what? Uh, Nino and Alia's superhero identities are? Oh, ha 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 ha. Shell and illusion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, that's pretty cool, actually. That's like a nice little layer of, of nuance that I was not expecting from this special. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a lovely plane ride that they're having that is very suddenly interrupted. And as Alia explains, uh, a super pirate lands on the wing of the plane and <laughs> starts stealing pieces from the plane that is already in the air like a gremlin. And Alia talks about this as if it is a thing that happens all the time. It's like, oh, oh no, yeah, our plane's getting hijacked by a super pirate. Oh, dang. <laughs> um, Alia knows everything there is to know about these superheroes that we have never heard of. Um, yeah, there's these heroes who have never come up before in conversation. Well, a- oh, actually, I should. I guess I'm correcting myself now. Uh, some of them have been mentioned. We'll get to this. Um, you know, Danicles. He puts oh, on really? his Danicles puts on his owl costumes. Like it's it's me, Mister Owl, or whoever I am. Uh, his, that costume of his is based off of the Dark Owl costume, who is a character from a comic book in a previous episode, who is actually a real superhero in America. It turns out. Also, uh, and who is also based off a DC character who is in the Court of Owls, which is one of my favorite Batman storylines, but his name is escaping me. I think, is he just called the Owl? I don't think he is. Just but... Owl Man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a Batman Robin thing going on with the Owl yeah. and Sparrow. Oh, definitely. It's very <laughs> obvious. Also, those characters yeah. are from. Uh, oh, there's so many layers to this. So, excuse me. So, uh, let's get this out of the way and talk about these superheroes because. Uh, 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 it's called Dark Owl. Is that the the superhero? I think no, yeah, Night I think it's Owl. Dark Owl. No, no, d- Night n- Owl. Yeah, Night, Night Owl. Owl. Okay. Okay. So Night Owl and Sparrow are superhero team. Very Batman and Robin. Uh, they are American mm-hmm. superhero Bat-a-rings team. Batarangs and all. Yeah, and so they were mentioned previously in an episode of Miraculous as comic book characters, but turns out they're real. Uh, they are also characters from the Miraculous Ladybug Adventures comics that also took place in New York, which I don't think is canon and really hope isn't. And Ava, 
Ava, mm-hmm. I love comics so much, but I don't want to talk about these comics. The, the, it's the okay. It's the same comic <laughs> that you once showed me an out of context screenshot from when we were reading about uh, some not so savory stuff Thomas Struck said and did. Uh, and I thought wait, that, that's the same comic. Yeah, and I thought that maybe if I read the oh. whole comic in context, it would seem better. And it's so much worse in context of the whole thing. It it is not good. <laughs> you shouldn't. I hey, you might be out yeah. there thinking I like miraculous and I like comics. You're not gonna like these comics. You're not gonna. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering what you meant by that because I mean I have sold a lot of comics to a lot of people, but the only miraculous comics I've ever seen are essentially just screenshots of the, this is something that children's shows do a lot where they just screenshot the show and then take those screenshots and form format it as if it is a comic book. Like, instead of drawing things, they'll just take, like, images of 3D models and then put speech bubbles of what is said in the episode and then sell the comic book as, hey, here's this arc or this episode from the show, uh, except it's a book. So you don't have to, I guess, for parents, you don't have to listen to this TV show in the background. You can just hand your kid a book on on a long drive or something and they can be content. (laughs) Um, So I thought that it was, like, something that had been published as, like, a a single issue or a trade paperback. Uh, But... I have not seen the comic. I just, yeah, again, we were, like, researching some Twitter beef that was happening. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... It's disheartening to hear, though. Yeah, you, I, ooh, man. If the comics are canon, then that means there's a lot of lore in them that would be important. But it's weird. The way that this special is done, It, I guess it could go either way, whether or not it's canon. The designs are definitely different, but... There isn't, like, a moment where the characters are like, we're introducing ourselves to you for the first time because we've never met. Mm-hmm. So it could go either way, whether or not they're canon. Uh, I'm going to go with no for right now. Um, also, the magic... Ma- magic... What was her? How did you say her name? Majestica... Majestica? Majesta? Majesta... Majestica? Magica. Let's just call her that. No, that can't be right. What is this? What, uh, oh, Majest- Majestia. So, uh, Olympia oh, okay. Hill. Yeah, the superhero Majestia, who is, uh, looks like, you know, pretty much is Superman. Pretty much is Superman. Uh, she, I mean, I, I got more of a Captain Marvel vibe off her. She doesn't have, like, laser eyes, uh, but she can fly and is super strong and she has short hair. The short blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. Uh, looks looks kind of Captain Marvel. Um, also yeah, from same the comic, though. also from the comics, Doorman is from the comic. Um, but most of these characters got redesigned. Also, to add another tier to it, Sparrow was one of the Quantic Kids. Do you know about the Quantic Kids? You have mentioned them, but I don't know much about them. So the Quantic Kids were just one more conception of the Miraculous Ladybug TV show before it actually like got got going and became the thing that we all know and love today. Um, uh, so there was a va- originally a conception of the show as a show about a superhero team, a team of young Parisian heroes, and some of them eventually made it into the show anyway. Like, Nino pretty much made it, <laughs> like, at whole cloth. <laughs> originally, as he was conceived, Nino has been carved in marble. He is set in stone from day one. There will always be <laughs> Nino. Um, but uh, other characters, like, uh, there was always going to be someone who, like, played the flute, and that was their superpower, and that eventually became Rena Rouge. Uh, there were some other people, like, there was going to be Kid Mime, 
who uh, they'd enter ended up having a mime supervillain instead, and Sparrow was going to be one of the Quantic kids. Uh, I don't remember what Sparrow's civilian identity was, but doesn't matter. It's not the same in the show. The Quantic universe is uh, something that people use to refer to the extended universe, Miraculous Ladybug, that they are setting up with these specials. I don't think they're actually going to call it the Quantic universe, I think that was kind of a fan thing. They'll probably call it, like, Miraculous Universe or something. Yeah, it's like Miraculous World. Oh, like, well, they can't use MCU, Miraculous Cinematic Universe. They no. can't use that. No, they cannot. MLCU? Miraculous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, like, super interesting, though. It's, like, the... I, I admire the ambition of the project to make an entire uh, universe around like kids superheroes and have it not i mean it's it's i don't want to say derivative like uh the the sparrow and owl are definitely like you know parallels to batman and robin Mm -hmm. um but i wouldn't say that it's like quote-unquote ripping them off it's more just like hey like we enjoy comics and we think that this like dynamic is pretty cool uh and we want you know people who read batman and robin comics uh to be able to appreciate this, uh, which I think, you know, was done even better by the fact that they're homaging Court of Owls, which is, like, one of the coolest concepts that I think Batman has ever done. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's interesting in that sense where it's sort of setting up its own superhero universe, like the ones that we've been sort of accustomed to seeing nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but entirely, basically, for a kid's friendly audience yeah and not based off of uh, prior work not based off of any already existing yeah. franchise i th- honestly do i i want to give credit where credit's due i do think that it is impressive that they got a entirely original superhero franchise off the ground in 2015 at a time where this marvel cinematic universe was at the height of its power <laughs> and the mm-hmm. the idea of trying to be like we're, we're gonna do our own superheroes like that's it's incredible <laughs> that they managed to do it it's this this special like sort of reignited a hope in me that that, that they could make cool superhero stories um i know that we've sort of ragged on it so far because of the romance stuff but um i think other than the stuff that we've mentioned um the only real important romance quote-unquote scenes are one that for some reason Marinette and Adrian just keep on getting stuck in automatic doors. I don't yeah. know why the sensors can't see them, oh, but it's, um, like an, it's like a running gag yeah. um, that they're stuck in the doors together and they can't get out because they're both idiots. <laughs> a- automatic doors. Automatic doors are not as much of a thing in Europe as they are in America. That explains it then. <laughs> um, but so there's that and then also uh, the... Uh, dance scene where a hot dog themed superhero, which is a fantastic joke when you're trying to sort of caricature America. Yes! <laughs> okay. There is a hot dog themed superhero who apparently has two sidekicks who are ketchup and mustard themed. Okay, okay, hold up, hold <laughs> he up. Comes... <laughs> I'm pulling us back again because I, I, I want to okay. go. I want to go in order. I don't want this to go too off the rails. This is quite the cliffhanger to leave them on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, so um, uh, uh, uncanny, uncanny valley. Majestia, our uh, dark, our night owl, our sparrow, all American superheroes who stop this plane from getting hijacked. Uh, by the way, French supervillains are being mind controlled by one guy. 
uh, American superheroes are, I guess, victims of the prison industrial complex. This guy's wearing a, <laughs> uh, like, a prison uniform, and his skin is blue. Like, he's, he doesn't have a miraculous. In, in France, like, if someone has blue skin, it's because they're possessed by Hawk Moth. This guy is just blue. <laughs> so this is yeah. what Ameri- the, the implication being that there has been some sort of, like, X-Men-like event where people are just mutants now. But for some reason, that just hasn't happened in France. <laughs> yeah, America's a completely different world. It turns out France is actually, like, kind of new to superheroes and kind of weak for it. Like, the fact they've only got a couple of superheroes and they're all teens, that's weak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the airplane with all the French kids on it gets saved. Mr. Danicles doesn't get to do anything, which actually made me sad. Uh, <laughs> why, did, why don't they just give Danicles a, a miraculous? Just give it to him. He'd be a great superhero. Just give him one. Yeah. Well, he uh, well he's not a great like teacher, but eh, <laughs> maybe he could rise to the occasion. Adult, they gave but... Chloe a miraculous. You know what? You're right. I retract my previous statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they finally get land safely in New York, and there's this great transition where into like a guitar music that is like distinctly different from the music they've had in the rest of the show, and it's great. I mm-hmm. really liked it. Uh, they they get to New York, which is apparently the superhero capital of the world. Everywhere that you look, there's a superhero. And Sparrow, like the, while escorting these French kids somewhere, calls them little croissants. Says into the headpiece, "The little croissants are on route." And yeah, that's exactly how Americans talk. Absolutely. That is the listen. The <laughs> that was probably the localization teams. Uh, like thing where they were like, oh yeah, teenagers do talk like this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, they show up at this building where they're going to be staying. That I, I sunk too much re- time into this. I tried so hard to figure out what this building is that they're staying at. I figured, oh I that, know. yeah, like oh this must be a very famous hotel in New York. I looked it up, and there's a Lafayette Cafe, and there was a Lafayette Hotel. But it was demolished a long time ago. I looked at pictures and I thought maybe it could have been inspired off that, but it didn't look exactly right. And I bet it's one of those things where if you live in New York, like, oh, obviously that building. I know what that building is. Like, that thing that's kind you of... You live on the other side of the country, though, so... Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, so I, yeah, I have no clue what it is. It, they went in and it looked like a teen center. There were all these teens around who said they lived in New York, so it doesn't make sense that they would be at a hotel and playing playing like air hockey. I was hockey. confused as to whether it was an apartment building or a hotel. Oh, maybe an apartment building? It was building? very weird. Yeah. Like, but like, why would they be staying in an apartment building? That doesn't... I, <laughs> Instead I, of a hotel. I considered it might be a hostel. <laughs> like, I don't know if New York has hostels. Most, most parts of America don't have youth hostels the way Europe does, but it's possible that New York would, because New York is like, m- much more of a worldly city. Uh, I, mm. I do not know. Um, we meet the the civilian designs of Uncanny Valley and Sparrow, who are Jess and I. I never quite caught what Uncanny Annie Valley's human name was. Like I'm gonna call her Uncanny. Uh, I dig Uncanny's human design, and also mm-hmm. like before we get into Jess, uh, I do want to say. <laughs> When you texted me that you were watching the special, you also texted me, Miraculous says gay rights. And I... I said Miraculous says gay rights twice. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that like there was that one scene where like uh, Julica and other name are like cuddling. And that's cool. And they did something like that in the end of season three. But 
it, you know, it's not, it's still not the way that they portray, like, the straight couples is, like, being very explicitly dating mm-hmm. and, like, explicitly saying, like, oh, this is my boyfriend and, like, getting to kiss on screen and stuff. It's not the same as the way they yeah. portray straight couples. Uh, also, but when you said that there was, like, a second couple that was, like, explicitly together, um, I was so sure that it was going to be Uncanny and Jess. I was so sure that these two were dating. Um, and I was yeah. so disappointed when it turned out uh, to not be them. Because they seemed so... They were so cute together. I dug it. I would totally watch a show about them and uh, their stupid romance as opposed to Marionette and Adrian's stupid romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, no. Yeah. I did not at first connect the dots that... Uh, wait, is it Night Owl or Dark Owl? I'm just going to call them Owl because I don't know what the deal is, and I keep on forgetting. Uh, So Owl transforms into a more masculine body when uh, she basically, like, becomes the owl. They, like, explain it, but it's it's a really strange thing where it's, like, a mantle passed down, but for some reason the public seems to believe that the original Owl and Sparrow are still around, even though the images that they show of, like, the different, like, oh, like, here's all the different, you know people who were the owl and sparrow and like one of them is like in the wild west Mm -hmm. and i'm like that was a long like obviously they're not alive anymore (laughs) but so apparently it's just to protect their identity and to like make it seem as though they're the same person but i was really confused yeah it was definitely something where it's like if there's well if we get a tv show maybe we'll explain what the fuck this means uh (laughs) It is exactly. Give us money and maybe we'll tell you. Yeah, I do think that it's possible that that little clip of people who looked like they were maybe from the Wild West. Like, we live in a desert. It could be someone like 50 miles north of here just like chilling in the Mojave. You know what? You're right. I completely forgot. Our town that we live in is like obsessed with cowboys. We're like one of those towns where they filmed a ton of westerns. Like people, And that's our only like call to fame. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> you had some stuff uh, about um, Jess's design, which I, I do want to say that I did think it was very cool that Jess's civilian look, her eyebrows are styled so that it she's got a little bit of a bird thing going on. It, I thought it was subtle. Yeah. And it looked like very like hip and contemporary, like something a teenager would actually do to style their eyebrows. Uh, I dug that. Yes, she I kept on every time I saw her eyebrows, I would I was thinking of Mako from Legend of Korra. They have like the exact same eyebrows, maybe not the exact same, but he has that thing going on at the end. Um, but yeah, so um, Jess is her name. Jess, yeah, seems, Jessica just, like, Eagle in this tag. <laughs> yeah, I've got. So uh, Jess is the first uh, American Indian miraculous holder. Well, she hasn't gotten the miraculous yet, but she's the first American Indian uh, superhero that we meet. And I was curious to see what people's opinions of her were and since again miraculous is trending on tumblr right now i went and looked i took a took a look-see at what people had to say um and a lot of the feedback was positive however i did see some uh american indians and just people of color in general criticizing it um for i think very good reasons so the post that i'm getting my info from uh is from the blog uh, phantoms hate people of color uh, which in their description they say like this is a place for people of color to come and vent about racism and media they watch and the racism fandom, which I think is an extremely necessary and good thing to have uh, because there's a lot of that, especially when 
like 99% of the media that we consume is made by old white dudes. <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> um, but, uh, so they have this post um, that is criticizing design, and the main thing is that there is this sort of emphasis on red, white, and blue. She has the uh, Freedom Miraculous, which there is an implication because we do see the uh, guardian of the American Miraculous uh, is also an American Indian. Um, And it is explained that American revolutionaries were using Miraculous in the Revolutionary War against Britain, which means that they did steal them Mm. from American Indians, which is a really horrible implication. Um, I mean, in character for America, but like, (laughs) I don't know if they thought about that. It's just, oh, it's, it's, I don't know. I didn't even think of that. And then I saw that post and I was like, oh, this feels icky now. Like, I don't, (laughs) like, I'm, I'm all for the, the, especially if you're, if you are creating a, a, all-American superhero team, it is so, so important that you have American Indian representation on that team. Because, like, literally, like, there's so little American Indian representation. I, I can't even, like, tell you a, a character that I know for a fact is American India, except for Jess, like, in popular children's media, off the top of my head. Like, I would ha- I would have to look it up and, like, find a character like that. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> Got some, got some gross implications there, <laughs> but at least there is some representation. I just wish it was better. Uh, and I think that, again, that might have to do with the fact that this is a French show, um, and sometimes you have to research the issues that you are dealing yeah. with in your show before you put uh-huh. them in. <laughs> I, do, I do definitely understand, like, being someone who's not American, being, like, European, being, like, we need to create, like, the quintessential american character and i get mm-hmm. where they're coming at with that and uh, to, and i it, you know i guess i kind of glossed over it at first like i liked the character i didn't immediately see what was anything wrong with it but towards the end there was a moment where like she's dressed up as an eagle or is like oh wow she's really mm-hmm. like dressed up as like the symbol of american imperialism like wow this is this is Literally, starting to yeah. not sit right with me <laughs> Like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it also, you mentioned earlier, I think off, off, uh, off pod that, uh, when I, when I first brought up that I was going to like mention the post, you were like, yeah, she kind of looks like, uh, someone who is European, uh, what they think a, a, an American Indian cartoon character should look like. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. <laughs> absolutely 100% right. <laughs> and by that I just mean that she uh, looks kind of um kind of generic in a way of like she doesn't seem yeah. to be affiliated with any particular group of people. She doesn't like clearly have a tribe. It's just kind of a generic like oh, look at this pattern and design. It's native like but you there there is no yeah. there is no broad native like that's like lots of different groups of people that's lots of different cultures but she doesn't seem to be affiliated with any and you know like if of course like real people in real life don't need to like wear like their ethnic affiliations on their sleeves all the time but when you're a european who's trying to write in an american native character and you haven't if, if you haven't like thought like what is her actual background then that's probably going to be a problem yeah 
uh, it's a mess. But her character's pretty good, so... <laughs> Uh, I I enjoyed her character. She does meddle quite a bit, but uh, yeah, she was. Uh, I I liked her. She grew on me. She was a very like. Yeah. Re- she I seemed... didn't like her in the beginning, but she she really did turn around. I was like, you know what? I think I like her. Yeah, she was doing like a, a very like I think realistic teen thing of like getting pulled into like the 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 fun chaos of maybe messing with two people a little bit and uh it turned out super bad but um I don't think she intended for it yeah. to go as bad as it did um speaking of bad <laughs> speaking about um so our Parisians what once they're in America are invited to an American party which they are not ready for and they um <laughs> Sabrina like flirts a little bit with an American boy which again goes nowhere but I guess is another step towards Sabrina's uh, autonomy so uh, did you notice that in every room in this mysterious building they're staying in there is a little stuffed George Washington what? Did you not notice this? When Alia and Marionette walk into Chloe and Sabrina's room, uh, Chloe throws a stuffed Washington at Marionette. Like, <laughs> like, just a George Washington stuffy, like, on the bed? Yes, a plushie on the bed. And then Marionette brings that stuffed George Washington with her when they're trying to sneak out to go to the American party. And then, when they accidentally dip into Jess and Uncanny Valley's uh, room, there is another one on the bed. <laughs> I I don't think that um, Thomas understands how little most people care about George Washington. <laughs> like it's not like he comes up in conversation. Uh, it's it's weird because was who he's not even like involved. We're in in like the plot. Like the who? What was the name of the dude who had the miraculous Lafayette? Like it wasn't George Washington. No, no Lafayette. Yeah, yeah, like Lafayette. So why isn't a Lafayette plushie? It makes no sense. <laughs> well, okay, first first of all, Ava, I I have hundreds of like antique signed George Washington posters all over my room. Like any good American. <laughs> I have oh I God, have plushies. I just, I just outed myself as an enemy of the state. Yeah. <laughs> Ava, Ava, where are your plushies? Hands could sewn plushies of every single founding father. Show them to me right now. Oh my God! Uh, uh. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there's like some lore going on here where uh, Lafayette, a French dude, um, was who was friends with George Washington, gifted him. Uh, a necklace that turned out to be a uh, miraculous and like that's the history there um uh, also i we haven't i guess we haven't talked enough about Unca- uh, uncanny valley because they duck into the room where uncanny valley is and uncanny valley is like this very cute robot who is under the delusion that marionette and adrian are made for each other i don't know yeah, she why she thinks this. they really are made for each other and i'm like girl <laughs> stop you gotta stop they need to like marinette needs to get over this and she keeps on making things worse Mm -hmm. which speaking of making things worse at the party um jess plays guitar and it is the song adrian and marinette dance to at chloe's birthday party which i don't remember Mm -hmm. um i know that chloe had a birthday party episode i just like don't remember anything about it um they again. I'm going back to the hot dog man. So hot dog man shows up. Hot dog man is back. You can go in full, in full on hot dog man. 
no miraculous. This is just what he does. He can just do this naturally. He creates hot dogs, and if you eat them, you gain special powers. So, like, Sabrina gets long hair, uh, Alia and Nino share one, and they both uh, get their voices pitched up like they inhaled a bunch of helium. But Marionette and Adrian, they have to share one because he only has one hot dog left for some reason. This man who can spawn hot dogs only has one hot dog left, I guess for irony. He he gives it to them and they split it and they both start to float in the air and then Jess plays the song that they danced to at Chloe's birthday party and they have like this, like a romantic moment that is soured by the fact that they are both in romantic <laughs> relationships with other people. Yeah. Oh my goodness. The imagery of two people floating in the sky, holding hands in front of the full moon, silhouetted by the full moon over the New York skyline is such a beautiful imagery that is utterly wasted on these two. And it's, it's especially weird because Adrian isn't like interested in Mary. At least it doesn't come off as he's interested in her at all. Um, there's that, like, scene in the bus where Adrian, like, Nino turns Adrian's head towards the window and he's like, take it in, bro. And initially he's looking at Marinette because it's the first, like, thing that catches his eye. But then he, his vision, vision, like, focuses on everything other than, like, Marinette, like, outside the window. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, it's beautiful. Is the implication that he thinks that Marinette is beautiful because this man is looking at literally everything outside and not at Marinette? Yeah, it, it's uh, it's weird because I get Adrian thinking that everything he's doing is totally platonic. I totally get that. He, and I like I yeah, even get he's, like he's socially awkward. He doesn't get it. It's fine. He's yeah. he's in the clear. And you can dance with your friends platonically. Absolutely. I've done that. The thing is, when you dance with your friends platonically, you actually dance. You don't just hold each other in the sky. You don't just, like, embrace yeah. each other. They just hugged and floated in circles. And while they, like, held... There was no space between their bodies. That is not dancing. Well, there was romantic music playing. It's so... Oh, my gosh. These kids. You can't see, but I'm shaking my fist. Yes, I can hear it. <laughs> <laughs> the hot dog man, by the way is not giving these kids hot dogs out of the goodness of his heart. He is selling them. These The Americans are giving him money. Oh my god, wait a minute, he's selling them! The Americans take out their wallets and, like, are waving money in a shot. Alia, oh, Nino, and... This is the per- I take it back, Thomas, you have the perfect representation of America because yes. you understand that it's literally just capitalism and that's everything in our lives yeah. now. This, this superhero, he doesn't fight crime, he sells hot dogs. It's perfect. And... By the way, Nino takes the last two hot dogs and doesn't pay for them like the Americans did, because he doesn't get it. I think it's safe to assume that he's speaking in French, and the hot dog man just can't understand what he's saying, and he just was like, I'm not dealing with this right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because if that happened to me, if I was if I was selling hot dogs and I only had two left, and some kid came up to me and started speaking in French, a language that uh, the only person who I know who speaks French other than you is my aunt who lives in Canada and went to an all French like middle school or something. I would just be like, you know what? I'm not, I don't have the tools to deal with this. I'm just going to let them have the hot dogs. <laughs> uh, Ava, I want to be very clear. And I'm going to say this to you in my, my best approximation of the French that I remember. Je ne parle pas français. Je, je mal. Je, je très mal. Je ne- I know what mal means. <laughs> Je- I remember like two words from Spanish and mal is one of them. <laughs> Je ne suis pas bon. Je mal. 
if if I didn't know you and you came up to me and you took my last hot dog that I was selling and you started saying that to me, I would say, I'm not dealing with this right now. <laughs> I don't care how bad you think you are at French, I will not be able to tell. <laughs> That's great. Like, oh my gosh. Oh my god, the French boy is breaking the hot dogs in half. What is he doing? <laughs> But by the way, uh, while while Adrian is um, while Adrian is at this American party, his uh, bodyguard is in the hotel room, like listening to meditation tapes as he is the entire yes. special. He's like super afraid of flying. And he spent after like the incident on the plane, he spends the entire rest of the special sitting alone in his room, listening to these meditation tapes, trying to calm down. It is deeply upsetting and also the funniest thing about the whole special. <laughs> Yes, like, we appreciate that he is taking care of himself, but, like, wow, he was really affected by that, huh? Yeah. Like, he was really, really affected by that. Yeah, by the way- And now he has to fly home by himself because Adrian leaves him behind, which yeah. we'll get to, but, like- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he, like, he just stays in this room the whole time. No one comes to get him. No one tells him that there are supervillains attacking. But, yeah, they keep on, like, cutting back to him. And it'll be like, I think one of them was like, you are a puffy cloud floating across the sky. And he's just sitting on his bed and smiling. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, man, I hope I wish for the best for you. I really do. He, d he really does deserve the best. Uh, so the next day after this party, which miraculously all these French kids survived. Oh. You'd think that for a place that's riddled with, with uh, apparently just mutants everywhere, like superheroes and villains, it would be a little more dangerous. <laughs> like... They're just, like, completely comfortable sitting on the rooftop of this extremely dangerous city. Like, like, hundreds of times more dangerous than current New York, I would, I would say. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or maybe not dangerous at all. We only see one American supervillain. Is it possible that's it? <laughs> is it possible that, I mean... This is, this is America's Hawkmoth. There's just all these superheroes with nothing to do. I mean, if there's, uh, if there are so... There is one, at least one superhero guy who straight up doesn't fight crime. Hot Dog Man. Hot Dog Man just sells hot yeah. dogs. So if you've got superpowered people, but if you've got more superpowered people than you do demand for crime fighting, does that mean that this version of the U.S. is a utopia? So it's like people either become heroes or they use their quirks. Or it's like, oh, I can read really fast. I guess I'm going into like administration. <laughs> like this man was like, oh, I can make hot dogs. Time to open up a hot dog stand. On the subject, my favorite American superhero is Doorman. Doorman, who also has a regular name because he has no secret identity. He is just, yeah. a, he's just a guy. He's just like this bald, like maybe middle-aged academic. He's a dean, I think. He works at a college. He's at this museum they all go to giving like talks on the history. And he has this power that they call teledortation, which is terrible, but... <laughs> but it, it, where he can make doors to go anywhere and he like talks about how interested he is in history and like all the mysteries of history and like well why don't you just use your door powers to go find out what's locked in the secret safe under the statue of liberty which i'm not sure if that's a real thing i googled it i couldn't find anything i still don't know and i feel silly for saying this um and he's like no i would never use my powers for personal gain i'm an academic i just just want to learn it's like dude you're living your best life He's great. And then when supervillains yeah. attack, he does... I love that dude, like, unconditionally. I want him to be my uncle. Yes. This man is my new uncle. I want to hang out with him every single day. We love um, you, Uncle Doorman. We love you. 
we're just like telepathically like communicating with Thomas. Tell Doorman we love yeah. him. <laughs> uh, Doorman is also from the comics, but he was completely redesigned, and thank goodness. I mean, I love him so much better as just an, an aging bald academic um, with cool mm-hmm. earrings. Um, and so while they're handing out in this museum, and uh, Jess and Uncanny are there with them, you know, disguised as normal teens. And they've taken it upon themselves to get very involved in Adrian and Marionette's situation. So Yes, m- strangely involved. At least with Uncanny, she she's just like, oh, I think that these two people are good for each other. And since I'm a robot and I'm programmed to like help people, I'm, I want them to get together. Like, that's a very cute, pure thing. And then Jess is like, I like drama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is also, for the, for the sake of the story, it's valid. It is. Like, she just, like, lets meddle and, like, yeah. <laughs> like sneak it around and, like, yes, I'm gonna get these two together. So the, oh the, my the plan that Uncanny and Jess come up with and that they pitch to Nino and Alia is we are going to fake a supervillain abduction. We're gonna have a supervillain show up and say that he is there to abduct anyone who nobody loves. And that will force them to confess that they love each other to prevent each other from getting kidnapped. And Alia says, that's so crazy, it just might work. No, it is not. No, no she says it's so stupid, it might just that's work. So stupid, it just might work. It ju- there's just a chance. It, it's, first of all, no. First, no, it's ridiculous. No, absolutely not. Second of all, it is legitimately dangerous. It is unethical to put these two people in a situation yeah. where they're going to be genuinely afraid for their lives just because you think they should kiss. Regardless of their intentions, this is a, like, legitimately traumatic experience. Yeah. Like, this is going to cause... If, if, if they were not superheroes and, like, had a way out of that situation already, this would have been a horribly traumatic experience for them. Uncanny Valley and Jess, very cute working together. I was so sure they were going to be a couple. I was so sure. And, like, I'm not disappointed because, like, I know I've been saying, like, I don't want these teenagers to be dating. And it's like, wait, why do you want these teenagers to be dating? It's like, yeah, specifically because their relationship wasn't this ridiculous, over-the-top, testament, uh, unhealthy teenage relationships because they seem to just just like each other and like hanging out with each other. They, yeah, they, they enjoy spending time together, and they, like, gel well, they work well together. Which could be said about, like, Ladybug and Cat, but, like, the issue is that Marinette and Adrian do not. Yes. <laughs> they enjoy spending time together, but, like, every single interaction they have is so bizarre. Also, when they were explaining their plan to Alia and Nino, Alia and Nino originally objected, but then were convinced. Also, I remembered... The situation they're describing, like a supervillain comes, uh, attacks, and like they're forced to confront their feelings for each other. I had forgotten that's how Alia and Nino got together. A supervillain trapped them in a cage at, together at the zoo, and when they came out, they were a couple. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't remember that at all. <laughs> I did see, I did see that episode, but I don't remember that like being the cause of their relationship. Because they had never, like, had a thing before that. Actually, Nino was there at the zoo on a date with someone else. Oh, yeah. They are uh, stuck together in a room in the uh, museum, an American museum that has alarms and stuff, as opposed to the Louvre. Um, But this one has alarms. And uh, Uncanny Valley uses her robot powers. She, by the way, was described by Alia as, did you catch this? 
a gynoid? Gynoid? What does that mean? I don't... (laughs) Hey, Miraculous? Hey, hello, writers? Can you tell me what that means? I understand what the prefix means. I don't want to. I don't want to think about the implications of that. Does gynoid have an official definition? Gynoid. A gynoid is anything that resembles or pertains to the female human form. Though the term android has been used to refer to robotic humanoids regardless of apparent gender, the Greek prefix ander refers to man in the masculine gender. Okay, so a gynoid is just female android. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. I'm, I, guess, okay. I guess I'm okay. 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 That's fine. Um, so uh, our, our fav- everyone's favorite gynoid has trapped them in the museum and is projecting her fake supervillain to try to scare them into kissing, I guess, because that's what you do to your friends. And the But wait, but wait, something goes wrong. A real supervillain shows up in America, the land of the free. Oh, no. my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow, how could it end? How could it, what, what, what happened? Where did the supervillain come from? Why is he attacking these kids at this time? Oh, by the way, uh, while they're trapped in this room, Marionette and Adrian get an alert on their phone that someone's attacking Paris right now and Ladybug and Cat Noir aren't there. I forgot that that's when this happens. So they are simultaneously being attacked by an unknown enemy and then both get an alert on their phone that Paris is being ravaged by what they assume is an Akuma. Yeah, but like by, you see an image of it, it's like a giant robot. Yeah, I was, I literally, the the level of destruction in Paris that they showed was so intense that I laughed uncomfortably (laughs) when I watched it. I was like, "Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like, there's no way. Like, there's buildings that are just flattened. There's, like, fire and smoke everywhere. It's like, wait a minute. This is extreme, even for, like, a horrible monster in a kid's show. (laughs) Yeah, uh, uh, Paris is under attack, America's under attack, Ladybug and Cat Noir, right now, nowhere to be found, um, and I, I think that's where we're gonna break for our first ever uh, two-part episode of Spots On, because we spent, yes. we spent legit two hours talking about The Bubbler, which was only 22 minutes, and- I, So how did you people think that we were gonna be able to spend 20 minutes talking about something that's over twice as long? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like anchor, uh, in in good in good faith, will not allow me to upload to uh, uh over two hours of audio. So we are going to uh break here, and we'll we'll be right back for more yeah, of the. Mer- they can't stop us <laughs> even if they try. They can't stop us. We're gonna be right back for uh more more superheroes, more America, same miraculous time, same miraculous channel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't feel like we should pound it because there's nothing to pound. We resolved nothing. <laughs> there is nothing to pound. There isn't even. I don't even think there's a pounded in this movie. I mean, there is, but they don't say pound it. Oh my god! I just realized there's no pound it. Call, call, <laughs> call Thomas. Call Thomas right now. Tell him he needs to fix this. Thomas, explain yourself.